How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. With Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. Pull up a seat. Sit with us at our bar. Let's talk some ball. Derek, uh, you know, we're doing this a little differently than normal we're, we're doing this in the middle of the work day for you and uh you know it's tuesday so it's my off day at the time of recording but um are you drinking are you able to drink today i have a mystery drink i'm not gonna let the listeners know what it is you can take a guess <laughs> it's orange and, it's yeah, orange it is. okay what does that mean could be anything <laughs> it looks uh it looks fruity now the question is is there alcohol in that i don't know but i uh i have a specific cheers for us and to go with the cheers, I have nothing other than good old old fashioned uh, back in the day Woodford Reserve, my go-to. Um, and I'm going to do a pretty heavy pour. And the reason why is because our cheers today, we have no cheers because Derek eliminated me from the playoffs. So um, if you were listening to our last podcast, we were talking about how Derek was prep, you know, giving preparation for the upcoming season, and I was basically in a good position to you know, make it to the playoffs. Well, thanks to Derek, he essentially knocked me out. So not cheers to you, Derek. This is is angry, Dusty. I am drinking because of anger. So take that how you will. Well, and and I would have felt bad if if I completely knocked you out of the playoffs and I didn't have any shot. I I needed a miracle to happen. We we play in a matchup league and I think I was down, I don't know, it was like 11 and a half games or something like that, 12 games. I think it was 11 and a half. And so I needed to win like 15 to three. Or, or better, or 14 to two or something like that, right? Um, and, and I think I won like, it was, what, like 14 to three or, so, or 14, 14 to four? 14 yeah, 14 to four. So I was so close. So like, it was one of those things where it was like, man, I, w- I would feel bad if I had no shot of making the playoffs and I've just kept you out. But like, I had a small sliver of a shot if I could have gotten a couple more categories. And and I almost pulled the miraculous comeback there. But uh in the end, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if we end up meeting in the consolation bracket. <laughs> what makes it even worse, uh, there's actually several things that makes it worse. Number one, uh, I didn't even get eliminated as far as, I guess, record is concerned. I was I had the same, essentially same record, if you will, as the team that got in over me. But I think he got in by 0.00005% or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, the other part that sucks and the part that Derek was alluding to there is uh, now, of course, we play in our playoff loser bracket. And, um, of course, I'm facing a team that in any given week, you know, he doesn't pay any attention, could still get 30 home runs in one week. So who knows, right? And the punishment, Derek, feel free to introduce that. 
Yeah, we're, we're doing a backpack this year. So if you're ever looking for like uh, what punishment to do, this will be an interesting one. We, we go on like a reunion trip every year. So what we've decided to do this year, the winner will pick the backpack that the loser has to wear the entire trip. Uh, obviously, you don't have to wear it when you're like going to bed or anything like that. But, you, you know, you have to wear it. In, if we go somewhere, we go golfing, we go to a restaurant or something, you got to wear this backpack. So um, the, the winner will pick it. They, they have options. They could choose either a gigantic backpack that we get to fill with stuff. They can choose just an embarrassing backpack. There's custom backpacks you can do with like custom pictures. Um, and then they will have to carry all the stuff that fits in the backpack that we want. So it's like, hey, you have to carry a bunch of bottled waters for us around their places or, or like my phone charger or whatever it is that we want them to carry. It's honestly like if you think about it, it's a brutal punishment because, you know, we we walk a lot. We travel a lot on these trips, especially. And uh, normally it's a three to four day affair. So if you're talking about wearing the same crappy backpack for four straight days, Holding 12 people's things. Okay, there's 12 of us. I guess technically it would be 11 if they want to spare themselves the extra space, but somebody's going to take advantage of it, right? So, um, yeah, that is a horrible punishment, especially if you're going golfing like we normally do. Um, I was thinking about even if we, say, go sit down for dinner, you know, you have to sit down with a backpack against the chair. I mean, you're going to be, like, at the edge of a chair. So it is not a fun punishment. It's actually got to be probably one of the worst ones I've heard of um so needless to say neither of us wants that um so Mm -hmm. hopefully derek and i by the next time we do this podcast we're talking about how somebody else is doing the backpack because i don't think either one of us wants it the good news is he and i are not facing each other right now for that so it's on our own control at this point uh if we get the backpack it's our our own fault at this point so but thanks derek for knocking me out and uh setting me up for inevitable failure at this point so uh and of course i had a great week you know the week after it all happened when that nothing works. It's unbelievable. Corbin Burns goes eight no-hit innings. Justin Steele turns two unbelievable starts. It, it's it's just how this world works. But anyways, we are going, before we review some things that we want to talk about, because this kind of leads into our next segment, I do want to do our quick chug and look back at it stat. Um, Derek, last time I failed epically because I decided to go one month in advance. This did not happen this time. Uh, we are recording on September the 12th. Uh, and so on September 12 of 2017, the Cleveland Indians, and yes, it was the Cleveland Indians, they extended their winning streak to 20 games. They matched the AL mark that was held by the 2002 Oakland Athletics, beating the Detroit Tigers 2 to nothing. Now, this is somewhat recent memory, but believe it or not, like if you look at the rosters on these two teams, it's just crazy to me six years later how different some of these faces are. On, on the Indians, of course, they now have their new name change. Uh, They had Francisco Lindor. They had Edwin Encarnacion hitting cleanup. Uh, Carlos Santana was still thriving at that time. Jay Bruce. And the name that I think stood out to me the most uh, that just kind of blew my mind, I didn't even realize at this time that he even played for the Indians or was a starter, was Yandy Diaz. Did you remember that? No, I didn't remember that at all. I I bet you they wish they had him right now. Yeah, it's crazy. He was hitting in the six hole for them in that game. Uh, I... Truly, like I, I, Derek and I try to keep as close to in touch with as many of these players as possible, and that includes obviously their resumes, their history. I can honestly tell you, Derek, I I don't really recall anything about Yandy Diaz uh, prior to his time with Tampa Bay. No, I didn't at all. That, that by the way, that was like 
that was a really good Cleveland team because that was the year before when they lost in the World Series to the Cubs in Game 7. So very closely could have won the World Series. And then that year, obviously, if you win 20 straight games, you expect the record to be great. It was. They won 102 games. I, I didn't remember them winning 102. That's pretty crazy. And I didn't remember this either. They played the Yankees in the ALDS. They got up two games to none, and they lost the series. Yeah, I and that was the year where Shane Bieber, I believe, went off too. I, I believe. I, um, well, maybe maybe that was later actually, because in this game, in the game they won, Corey Kluber was dominant. He went nine innings. I mean, complete game, five hit shutout, struck out eight. So that was was that the Kluber year that he won the Cy Young? I want to say. Yeah, that might have been Kluber's year. I think Bieber won the Cy Young years, the COVID years, 2020. That's right. Um, That's correct. But Bieber might have still been young on that roster. I, I don't know if he would have been up by then. But yeah, Kluber, I mean, they've just cycled through all these stud pitchers. Cliff Lee, CC Sabathia, Corey Kluber, uh, Shane Bieber. They've got some young guys up now that, that could be the next one. So uh, yeah, man, just, just buy into uh, anything Cleveland pitching related. Well, when you look at what happened, of course, over this past two weeks, or I guess three weeks since our last recording, as I mentioned, Derek knocked me out of the playoffs. Uh, we are going to quickly review where we went right uh, and where we went wrong. And Derek, we were talking about your rebuilding process uh, three weeks down the road here after uh, kind of discussing it. Where do you feel like your team is at now that you're kind of looking towards next season? Specifically, are there any moves that you made that might help you, you feel, down the road here well i i tried to put a lot of emphasis whether this was just players that i had coming up or um players that i acquired or picked up in free agency of young pitchers which normally i i, I had in years past hadn't done but i feel like our league has very much um kind of zigged to a point where it's like i don't trust young prospect pitchers that was kind of a thing that that's recently hit over the past two or three years so i kind of tried to zag with that where i was like okay well maybe that's where the value is maybe i can get better value on those kind of players um I, i've picked up a few like small things i i don't know i didn't do anything not that i'm remembering now that that was like overly major like i didn't sell uh i, I sold aaron judge like before the trade deadline but that was like a week or two before so i didn't do anything like actually on trade deadline day uh, I have more work to do. I wish there were still trades happening because I don't know if you've looked at my roster, but I have one bench hitter and I have a billion like pitchers, but they're young pitchers. I, who do I drop? Like, I'm not going to, I picked up Cole Reagan's a couple weeks ago. Like I'm not going to drop him. That. You know what I mean? Like that. Logan Allen isn't having a great year overall, but still some of the numbers are pretty good. And he's a young rookie pitcher. Like he's going to be a keeper for me next year. So um, there's more work to be done in the off season. I need to condense some of my pitchers to get more hitting. And that'll be something that I work on in the off season. But yeah, I mean, just small moves to, to get some certain guys like a Cole Reagans, or I don't know. I, I was able to get a Ezekiel Duran kind of being in a, a prime spot right now to just pick up some guys that I think could be keepers for me next year that are back end keepers that um, some of the contending teams have to drop because they're in, in competitions and in tight matchups that it's like, oh no, I have to drop this guy. That's kind of the key for me right now. I, you know, I look at some of the moves you made. Um, one of them was acquiring uh, none other than Wilmer Flores. And I think that's an interesting name to look at because, so we do a 20 keeper league and, and this year's going to be a little different because we lose six players as well. So in essence, you're almost looking at 26 players that you keep, right? Could he potentially be one of your 26 because of the way that he's been playing? He might be. I'll, I'll be honest. When I made that trade, so it was like it was like a fourth for Wilmer and a fifth or something like that. I don't, I don't know. It was like a late pick, mid-pick, something like that in our uh, draft. Um, that, that was a move that I mostly made because as much as 
you know, I, I knew it wasn't a, a contend. I, I wasn't really contending. I still don't want to lose consolation. We, we talked about the punishment that's involved, but also if you, if you win the seventh place game, you get the third pick as opposed to, and if you win the 10th place game, you get the first pick and then whoever loses it has the punishment. So there is a little bit of incentive to still have some quality players. And, and he's been awesome the second half. So part of that move was about me really not wanting to do the punishment. And I was like, it's a low cost move. Why not? But yeah, you're right. He's been killing it. He has multi-positional versatility. Um, he's really done well with the Giants for a couple years now. H had a really good point last year where there was like a month or two where he was off the charts last year. The way he's playing right now, yes, absolutely. He is in consideration for me as being kind of a back-end keeper. I think one of the other moves, uh, out of all these moves, Reagan's is the big one that stands out to me, but um, you did also add Ezekiel Duran through a waiver. Now, both of us have owned him over the past season, and uh, you know I think we kind of see equal value as far as what he has, but I think maybe you see a little more potential in him than I did, and that's the reason why I traded him off, because I kind of saw him more as a, you know, maybe at his height, a 2015 kind of guy. Um, is there, you know, a future value there that could potentially be a keeper in his sense? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's still only 24 years old. So, I mean, you have a, a really good age there. I, I love his positional versatility. I mean, when I mentioned I only have one bench hitter, it's nice to have a guy like Ezekiel Duran because then he can fill into different positions. And a lot of those will carry over. So far this year, he's played 37 games at shortstop, 29 at left field, 22 at third base, 21 at DH, four at second base, two at first base, and one at right field. So at the very least for next year, he's going to come out with uh, third base, shortstop, and outfield. And if he can get uh, another game in there at second base, depending on your format, he might be able to have that too. Uh, K-rate is a little higher than I would like for a player like him, but He's somebody who I, I've been impressed with his ability to hit the ball hard. 115 max EV is really good. Um, he has a 9% barrel rate, which is also really good. 45% hard hit rate. Uh, there's going to be some strikeout in his game. He's going to go under, because of that, some slumps, which we just recently saw in his game. But also because of the hard hit rate, he'll have some, some nice little hot streaks. And he's the perfect bench player to me because of that. You can play him when he's hot. You can sit him when he's not. And he fills into a bunch of different positions. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. And, and and that's kind of the value that I saw with him originally. I think that he, if he is a keeper, you know, especially in the format that our league is, he would be like your 26th, 25th guy. You know, it's not like he's going to be a top 10 guy by any means, but has the potential to be good, I think, down the line and be serviceable, especially, as you mentioned, uh, in multiple roster positions. I think that's his big value. Uh, on my end, number one, probably my biggest regret is dropping Cole Reagan. So good job on picking him up because <laughs> thank you. after I dropped him, Reagan's just this tossed an unbelievable amount of quality starts. Like he, he looks the part, he looks legit. It's a shame he's on uh, a rather below average team to say the least. But Where do you think he's going to be ranked next year in like first year in, in just like one year drafts? It's Forget so that. hard to say. That is a great question. I, you know, I could see him almost borderline top 100 with the way he's pitching right now. If that's how it continues, like he's in my opinion that you can't just take that for granted. And, and he was pretty solid before he got dished too. I feel like as far as uh, numbers in the minors, like there was some suggesting that he was going to be decent, right? Uh, the K to K per nine is insane. You know, um, strike it to walk is pretty solid. I, I think that, Overall, I would say borderline top 100. I'm not going to say quite top 100, but like if you have him in the 105 to 110 range, I think that's fair. Like I wouldn't sit here and be like, oh, dude, that's way too high. 
Um, yes, it's a limited sample size, but the dude is shoving right now. And you mentioned Rangers it, wish they had him. They the Rangers do. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like if they had just stuck with him, who knows? Like they could be even deeper in the hunt than they already are right now. Um, but I think from a fantasy perspective, especially with the way that our league runs, he's a pretty obvious keeper. If you ask me for you, like, I, I feel like he is no doubt a top 20 keeper for you. Um, you have a lot of good guys that I think could be in that range easily, but I don't see how he's left off your roster. Like, I, I think that he's going to be a pretty safe pick on, on that end. On my end, though, I, yeah, I do regret dropping him because he would have been a keeper for me as well. Um, but a couple pieces that I, I guess I'm super excited about. Number one, I stayed true to CJ Abrams. I got a lot of offers from him. Uh, I think I got like half the league. Uh, yeah, Derek was one. Uh, I got half the league offering for him at the same time where it's like you could see the peak. You could see that there was something there. You could see that the bat was starting to show up. And now I think we're learning that the bat is there. The stolen bases are there. And yeah, he's a pretty clear keeper for me at this point. Um, maybe, you know, you, you asked me that question two and a half months ago. He's a free agent in our league. Yep. So that's, it's crazy. The, the difference, right? Just a couple of weeks, couple months makes, uh, but Abrams for me is one that I'm pretty excited about because I think that uh, he kind of gives me what value I thought I was going to get from a guy like SD Uri Ruiz, who has really kind of dropped off. Um, and I sold him at the right time. Um, and <laughs> probably what, what you could look at now is a complete and utter steal. Cause I, I traded him and Shane Bieber for Corbin Burns. So um, needless to say, that was my best trade of the year. Um, it, and I didn't even propose it. It's the craziest part. Um, a couple other pieces that I'm excited about though, Kerry Carpenter, we've talked about him before on this podcast. I think he's for real. Um, you know, the power has dropped off a little bit, but the average has remained uh, above 300. He's still slugging at a decent peak. I like his value. I like the tigers as a whole. I think their lineup is starting to show up and, um, they're going to win like 77 something games. Uh, I think they're going to actually be a team on the rise and coming with that. I think Carpenter is going to be in the heart of that lineup. He'll probably be around my 20 ish. If is something like 20 ish, 21, 22 keeper. That's kind of where he sits for me. Um, and the last one that I would say that I'm pretty stoked about, uh, I picked up uh, a couple of relievers. Um, I have Alexis Diaz, Camilo Duvall. I have Jordan Romano. Those are three pretty proven closers. I will say the, peripheral numbers though for Andrew Nardi are really exciting for me moving forward. Now the question is, do you keep a middle reliever? And we're going to talk about that a little later on too. I don't know. Um, he would have to be really dominant down the stretch and probably would have to be announced as the Marlins closer next year in order for me to really truly consider keeping him as like my final piece. But I'm excited about the peripheral numbers that, you know, Statcast has, uh, he ranks in the top 98th percentile in number of different categories. Um, he has shut down stuff. Uh, he got beat up about a week ago cause he got hit by a comebacker, but I like him as a future piece. He kind of has almost not quite a Josh hater, um, persona per se, but he has something uh, of similar value as far as I think down the road, he could, he could be really good as a reliever. Yeah, I mean, he's only 24 years old. Um, this is kind of like the – it could be like a Devin Williams situation where he's mm -hmm. probably worth if, if you don't have that, you know, because we do have a holds league. So there is some value in that. But also the Marlins, I look at that bullpen, and it's not like they have, you know, one of those elite closers at the back end. Why couldn't he be, you know, closer next season or something? So I, I don't think that would be crazy at all to keep him. Yeah, I, I think it's 
probably if he was going to be kept, he's my final keeper, right? Like, like he's it's same idea uh, as kind of like Ezekiel Durant, where you're kind of taking a chance on a guy. And as deep as our league is going to be next year, where we're actually expanding to 12 teams, you know, a guy like that could be valuable. So um, versus in a 10-team league and an eight-team league, no chance. Yeah. Well, no I mean, and to the point on, on closers, like that's something that uh, one of our league mates, Paul, I'll give him a shout out here. Like he mentioned to me a couple weeks ago that he was like, Think about how valuable closers are about to be with with the 12-team league, right? I mean, um, depending on your league format, if you are in a 10-team league, okay, that in theory everybody has three closers, right? That's a little bit easier. But now if you work to a 12-team league, not everybody can have three closers. You know, everybody's going to have two, and only half the league is going to have three. And so having that third closer, even if you have a fourth closer, and now somebody else might only have one or two, mm-hmm. that can be such a advantage on the margins for you over somebody else. I think one thing, and, and I'm just going to straight up throw this name out there. Uh, he's a free agent in our league right now, and I would pick him up if I had space for him. But uh, I picked up D.L. Hall because I think that uh, in the off chance, the Orioles have to turn to him. Uh, I, I know that technically, as of right now, Felix Batista is still in the running to stay in the postseason. Like It sounds like he has a partial tear of his UCL, um, and they're going to chance it with him. I think that's a terrible idea, personally. I don't know why they would do that, but... Um, I could see D.L. Hall stepping up the postseason and having some significant value uh, come up if he pitches well in the postseason. But a name that I'm also intrigued by is Jeff Hoffman. And uh, like I said, free agent in our league right now. We'll see if anybody's listening um, and if they need help with bullpen help. Uh, that's probably the guy they should turn to because his peripheral numbers are insane right now and the Phillies bullpen is not good. So um, you could look at a guy like him where right now at the time of recording – you know, he's kind of just still one of those later relievers. He, he's more of a high leverage guy. By the end of the year, if the Phillies ever run, you could see him being their setup man or closer. And all of a sudden turning to next year, even though he's 30 years old, does he have significant value that he didn't have to this day? I don't know. I, I mean, uh, that's what I'm curious about. So, um, yeah, that, that's another guy that I had my eye on. But uh, ultimately, you know, bullpen pieces can only go so far. With that being said... We are going to turn to our segment, Derek, store it for later. And it goes right in line with what we've been talking about, which are dynasty baseball keeper players. But we're going to set this up a little differently. We're keeping five players. That's it. Five players in this situation. So you're essentially talking about top 50 because we're going to assume it's a 10-team league. Okay, top 50 players that should be dynasty keepers. And we're going to go quickly through this uh, because there's a number of players I want to get to. And we're just going to go back and forth here and say whether or not we believe this should in a, you know, 10 team keeper league be a potential player that's a guaranteed keeper or, you know, you're kind of second guessing this if you can only keep five. We're going to start with Cody Bellinger. Uh, He's ranked 13th in Yahoo right now. Would he in this situation be a keeper? For me, yes, without a doubt. And I continue to be like, okay, this is going to fall back down to earth, right? I mean, uh, eventually it's going to happen. Um, the, the barrel rate's only at like six and a half percent. League average is like six. So it's not like he's just like blistering the baseball. Hard hit rate's only at 32 uh, percent. But I think what he's found is he has enough power that if he takes some off of it and just doesn't strike out as much, he's okay because he's only at a 16 percent strikeout rate. When you go back to his best years with the Dodgers, you go back to uh, 2019 when he had the MVP season. 16% strikeout rate. You go back to 2020, which was the COVID year, 17% strikeout rate. Where he's gotten into trouble the last couple of years is when the K rate is ballooned too high. It was at 27% the last two years. He had that hole in his swing. 
I, I don't know if it has to do with the shoulder injury finally kind of healing up or if he's fixed that or if he's taken more of an approach to say, I'm going to strike out less and just hit the ball slightly less hard but still have enough. I, I don't buy that it's going to continue to be, you know, 317, 360, 550, but top 50 player, yeah, I, I'm in on it. Yeah, I, you know, if he was a free agent next year, I might be a little more hesitant. But because I know that he's hitting in Wrigley and, and all the numbers that you mentioned right there, I think the one that does stand out to me most is that K rate. Because over his career, as you mentioned, in his best seasons, it still wasn't even marginally close to where it's at now. You, you got an 87% K rate versus 78 uh, back-to-back years 2019-2020. So um, I am a little concerned about the slugging just because I think down the road, Maybe he's not that great of a keeper as far as we're talking, you know, two, three years down the road, right? But remember, keeper league, that means you're gaining a player for next year. And I think if you're trying to win next year, yeah, he's a great piece to have. And he's a pretty obvious keeper for me. Um, Yandy Diaz, uh, his name's popped up before in this podcast. Uh, he pops up again. He's ranked 15th in Yahoo. I think I would not on this one just outside the top 50. Sometimes players just have years where everything comes together, and that's been the case. He's always hit the ball hard, but he's grounded out too much. You know, K-rate's a little bit higher this year, but he's going to be 32 next year. I I think maybe he reverts back to a little closer to where he was for his career as opposed to, you know, maybe this high of of what he's not doing with hitting the ball on the ground. So uh, I think just outside the top 50 for me, I'm expecting a bit of reversion next year. Yandy has got to be the hardest player for me to assess because, you know, you look at his stat cast numbers you and over the past few years, I mean, we kind of saw this coming. It's crazy that it took this long, but he, like you said, he always hits the ball hard. Um, but yeah, the age is a concern for me. I also don't like that it's with the Rays because of the mix and match where uh, Kevin Cash seems to go. There's just something to me about owning Rays players outside of Randy Arozarena where I just have a problem because the moment somebody's slumping, the moment things go wrong, uh, there's all of a sudden platoon, right? And uh, that's my concern is what if Yandy gets to a slow start next year? Is all of a sudden this guy that has no PS over 900 going to be in a platoon somehow? You know, it's it's really hard to see uh, raised players being great long-term fantasy assets just because of the way that organization is run. And, and like you mentioned, I mean, the age is a big part of it. Uh, the numbers itself, though, they're pretty elite. So that's what's hard about this is he's a really good player. He's had a great season. But, yeah, as far as if I can only keep five, probably not Yandi. Uh, Lane Thomas, ranked 23 in Yahoo Leagues. I'm also out on this being top 50. Again, Lane Thomas, I think, will continue to be a, a productive player. He'll hit at a good spot in the lineup and get a lot of playing time with Washington because I don't expect them to be a ton better next year. Um, but I don't know. K rates kind of high walk rates kind of low. He hits the ball semi hard, but he doesn't smoke it either. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I've kind of been waiting for this to fall off. Now, one thing I think he does do well is pull the ball. So you're going to kind of maximize what you're doing with the contact, but still, I, I don't think it's going to be this high again. Like I, I think it'll be a productive player, but I don't know. The two previous years he was in the MLB 235, 241. This year's up at 280. Like I expect the average to drop next year to maybe closer to 250, 260. And if that happens, he's not going to be a top 50 player. The poll is crazy to me, man. If you look at his charts, uh, it, it is insane. He, he just doesn't hit the ball the right field. Um, and, 50% pull rate. Yeah, it's insane. And uh, I believe he's hit a total of two home runs, technically defined as home runs to right field. Um, that is insane to me. He also, uh, peripheral numbers wise, I'm not a diehard fan of where he stands. He's kind of in the middle of the pack. 
uh, as far as even in the sweet spot. Like his best numbers overall are in the sweet spot rate, which is 65th percentile, whiff rate, which is 64th. It just doesn't give me long-term value. And to be honest with you, his OPS at 809, uh, it's solid. But for as high of a ranking as he has in Yahoo leagues, I feel like it's a little deceiving. It is a tad bit deceiving. Um, 24 bombs. This is a career year for him. I just see the same thing you do. It's a drop-off. He's he's not a top-five keeper for me. Um, Christian Walker, a piece that you own, Derek. He's ranked yeah. 25th in Yahoo Leagues. Well, and real quick on the, the pulled ball stuff, like that is something that Nolan Arenado and Jose Ramirez has never had like these great like hit hard hit rates or, or barrel rates, but they pull it really well around 50%. So that is something going Lane Thomas's way. But yeah, um, uh, Christian Walker for me is a top 50 guy for next year, right? I mean, if we're just talking for next year, not like long-term, um, he'll be 33 right when the season starts. The walk rate is good. The K rate is good. So he uh, has good pitch pitch selection. He's somebody who hits for high power. He's somebody who hits for a lot of RBI. Um, the Diamondbacks, I think, is as good as they've been this year. I mean, they might be one of the wild cards. I think they're going to be even better next year when some of the younger players get another year older. So that might be even more run production for him. He hits the ball really hard. 11% barrel rate, uh, over 40% hard hit rate. I'm in on Christian Walker being a top 50 guy. I think maybe more toward the back end of that top 50, but I think he's there. I, I, I'm very high on what Christian Walker is at first base. Yeah, I see him right around literally on the 50 on the dot range. You know, yeah. um, the way that he's hit the ball consistently the last two years is what's the indicator for me. And maybe that's the difference between him and Elaine Thomas, for example, where you just haven't really seen this kind of value in previous years. Um, we've also seen Christian Walker's stack ass numbers throughout the years. And they've always been, you know, hard hit rate. Uh, you know, he, he hits the ball hard. He really does. And I think we've finally seen uh, over the last two seasons that he can put the ball in play, hitting it hard and giving significant value. The OPS at 843, um, the fact that he's doing this and, and 32 years old is still not old, right? Like you're kind of towards the back end. You're, you're leaving your prime. In his case, though, he's figured something out. And uh, you see guys like Paul Goldschmidt that are still able to produce uh, that are much older, right? So I, I would kind of ignore the age in this sense. Uh, the age is probably the reason why he's missing a couple rounds, right? If you're getting this production from a 26-year-old, you're getting like second-round value. So to me, top 50 player, uh, but it's borderline. It's borderline. It's, it's like number 50, number 49. But I, I tend to agree. I think that that's where he kind of stands at this time. Justin Turner... I kind of think I already know our answer to this, but he's ranked 26th in Yahoo League, so we can't really avoid this. Yeah, it, it is going to be outside. This is just betting on father time. He's he's going to be 38 next year, uh, so I, I'm just going to go with that. It, it, I mean, I would not shock me, though, if he has another great year. Maybe he's the new Nelson Cruz, right? It's it's going to be top 50 every year until he's like 42. But um, I, I think the, the betting man would say take outside the top 50, but still be interested in taking him at some point. Yeah, he, he's definitely a draftable player in the top, I would say, like 125. Here's a good question. Where do you draft him? In a standard league and a keeper league, Where where is he drafted next year? In a, a keeper league, he might not get taken until like around pick 200, honestly, mm -hmm. um, or in like a dynasty league or something like that. In a standard league, though, I don't know. Is he top 100? Probably. He, he's got to be close, right? Like, I mean, the yeah, production right he's there. had this year, it, it's you can't ignore it. I, I think that's the hardest part. And uh, Nelson Cruz is a good example that you can get value from guys that are just 
on the older side, right? Let's not forget Matt Carpenter. I think it was a year ago where the dude just goes off and hits like 20 bombs in a second half of the season. So you get value from guys of all ages, but yes, as far as dynasty, I, I agree. I think like 200 range is right where he goes, but in a standard, you know, regular season, one year league, like 105, 110, once again, that's kind of where I could see him, and I think it's a safe pick. I don't, I don't think anybody bats an eye. Uh, we got a couple more haters for you. This one might be the toughest one, Derek. Christian Yelich, he's ranked 28th right now in Yahoo Leagues, but he is on the older side of things. Uh, but, you know, if we use our example of Christian Walker, he's still younger. So, uh, like, what do we do with Christian Yelich? Yeah, this this is kind of dependent on a format to me. Like in our league format, I don't I don't think I'm going to get back in on the top 50. I know he'll be 32 next year, which is still, you know, not overly old as you kind of talked about earlier. But also with the back injuries and stuff that he's dealt with, he is going to play a little bit older than that is. Uh, I, I don't know. He's still a good player. But if you're in a standard like 5 by 5 on base percentage OBP league where you're just caring about OBP, home runs, steals, Basically, those are all three things that he can help with on the hitting side of things. So top 50 for me, if you are in a standard five by five league there with OBP in our league where it's a little deeper with categories, I'd probably be out on. But I still think he would in, in even that league be top 60 or 70. I think I'm out on him. Um, I I just if I'm getting a top 50 player keeper wise and this is whether it's keeper or a one year, right? Like I just I have a hard time picking a guy that is so statistically focused in like one or two categories and that's it. Like he's not a five tool guy. He, his pop has gone down significantly. He steals bases, but so do so many other players now based off the new rule changes. So I think I can get those stolen bases elsewhere and get home runs and get RBIs and, and get that kind of value elsewhere. But you mentioned the on-base percentage is where his value is. It's at 363 right now. Uh, but I just, I, the other numbers, I mean, 274 average, a 435 slugging. The OPS is under 800. It's just not enough for me uh, to use on a guy that I'm going to define as a top 50 player. I'd rather go for a higher ceiling, right? And his floor seems to be a, a D, like, you know what you're kind of getting from him. That's, that's to me, not a guy that I'm taking top 50. I, I'm going for a ceiling guy and, and Yelich is not it for me. So I'm, I'm actually out on Yelich at this time. Uh, two more hitters for you. Luisa Rice, 30th in Yahoo Leagues. Yeah, I'm out on this top 50. There, there's just too much. I mean, for him to even get ranked 30th, it's taking him hitting 350, which maybe that's something he can continue. He is very, very elite with the average skill. But what happens if he even hits 320, which is still potential to lead the majors? Is he ranked 60th at that point? Because some of the hitting totals and run totals and average obviously go down there. It would just, if he even could get like 15 to 20 steals, it would be a whole nother thing. But he's only has two steals, right? It, it, this is literally just an average play uh, for that reason. No, I, I would not be be willing to put that much into him. Yeah. My, my same argument uh, with Yelich and in, in what you said, I, I completely echo that. Um, we can't ignore how good of a season he's had. Now I will say this, he's only 26 years old. Yep. So as far as dynasty is concerned, he is a good piece. Um, but second base is progressively getting, a little stronger, I would say, as far as value is concerned. Um, you know, at the start of the year, it seemed like it was by far the weakest position. And progressively, it seems like more guys are pouring in that have second base eligibility. And I think for that reason, I can get a guy that's going to give me value in other piece, other places too. Um, if you're trying to win the average category, great. Like, go ahead, keep your eyes. But unless that's really your sole purpose, which it shouldn't be because you're not going to win that way, yeah, he's not a top five keeper for me. He's more in the, 
top 75, 80 maybe? I think that's fair. Yeah, probably in that range. It's hard. It, it arises a weird case, man. It's it's just he hits the ball and he doesn't yeah. hit it hard. He just hits it. Like that's that's all he does. And, and it's fun to watch in real life, but in fantasy value, it's it's the I, I call it kind of the Dustin Bedroya saga, where it's like you're gonna get good value in real life, maybe not so much in fantasy. Uh, the final hitter that I want to talk about, Derek, and this one is really challenging because. He's been really good uh, as Adolis Garcia, um, outfielder for the Texas Rangers. But is he a top 50 dynasty keeper? So I, I think long term, the answer is no. Um, for next year, I can get on board with him being top 50. The problem is this skill set drops off very quickly. It works while it works, but it drops off very quickly. So this, he, he's got kind of the skill set of like Javi Baez where it's like very high K rate. It's like 27, 28% chases a lot of pitches, doesn't walk a ton, but he hammers the baseball hits for good power, gets a lot of steals. The problem is when some of your athleticism goes and you lose some of the steals, you lose some of the power. And then you start chasing at some of this stuff. We saw how quickly it dipped off for Javi Baez going from an MVP candidate to now, like how can we get him out of the lineup in any way, shape or form? So, I would be very hesitant that like I would want to sell on Adelise Garcia at the end of this season. I could see him being top 50 next season, but when it does drop off, could be next year, could be in two years, could be in three years. I don't know. That's a risk you're going to have to take. When it drops off, it's going to fall fast. Yeah, I, man, I'm going to have to be out. I, I think that I, I completely agree with what you said. Um, some part of this too is the pieces the Rangers now have in their organization. Uh, you have White Langford right? Like, like coming up from Florida. Um, and then you have uh, obviously the recent surge of just Carter, uh, Evan Carter, uh, to be able to see those two paces. I mean, like you're, you're progressively adding more and more bats in the outfield and he's 30 years old. Garcia's 30. Um, so have we seen the height of him is my question. He's injured right now. Uh, we've seen the drop off before where he goes off early in the season I agree. I think it's sell time. Um, sell him if you can. Sell him for high value if you can. He's a top 100 player. I think both of us would pretty much agree that that's the safe spot to take him. But top 50 is just too risky for me when there's all these different elements. He's not necessarily younger. Um, there's pieces that are chasing him. Uh, he's got the injury right now. I don't think that factors too much. But uh, the drop-off is what scares me. It, it's the inconsistency. But he produces. He does produce. So uh, it's hard to say as far as long term. I think that he's done. But short term, yeah, it, it's it's a uh, kind of a toss up for me. And um, I I would not want to own him right now because that is like a really challenging decision. Like he's maybe the most difficult one to talk about here because he has the value, but does he have it long term? And if you're really looking at it, like would you trade? Eloy Jimenez for Adolis Garcia. What would you do? Um, if I'm no, I, I don't think I would just because I, I mean, I guess if I'm in like a rebuild in my situation, I would take Eloy over Adolis Garcia. But if it was, if I was in a win now mode, I'd, I'd keep Adolis. And if I was kind of in the middle, I would still lean Adolis just because with Eloy, I'm worried about all the injury stuff. Yeah, no, it, it, but there's your value right there. Eloy's yeah. not even, you know, wasn't even pre-ranked in the top 50, right? And he's not a finisher in the top 50 here either. So that just shows, like, 
there are other players out there that probably at least get your your brain ticking, thinking, okay, I could find somebody with maybe a little more future value or current value. Um, we're going to jump to two pitchers that I want to talk about, um, and uh, then we're going to dip, Derek, and it starts with this. What the heck do you do uh, as far as a keeper in, in top five players, okay, with Justin Steele? I'm in on it. I'm in on it. I, I've been in on Justin Steele for the past few years. I always would pick him up for a few spot starts, and then – uh, this year he took off and I had no part of him and and you were fortunate enough to have him. I've always been in on Justin Steele. What's interesting, you look at some of the stuff numbers, it's not like electric stuff. I kind of compare him to Logan Webb. I think he has mm-hmm. a really good pitch mix. He's got a good amount of pitches. He throws five different pitches. So that keeps people you know, off a little bit. That's one way that if you don't have great stuff, if you have a bunch of pitches, it's hard for them to guess what's coming. He's got solid location numbers. And when you look at Logan Webb, he's got a 102 stuff plus. When you look at Justin Seal, it's a 99 stuff plus. 97, I believe, is average for starting pitchers. So, you know, above average, solid stuff. But it's just about that pitch mix. And and it's about having one dominant pitch. And Justin Steele has a dominant slider. He has a uh, 123 stuff plus on his slider, which is um, eighth among starting pitchers. Like it's And the guys ahead of him, it's like – um Kyle Bradish weirdly weirdly has the the number one there at 168 Graham Ashcraft he's been so good yeah he has Graham Ashcraft is second unfortunately Graham Ashcraft only has like two pitches so it's easy to oh even though you have a great pitch I can figure out what you're doing Mitch Keller's third Corbin Burns fourth Garrett Cole fifth Logan Gilbert sixth George Kirby seventh Justin Steele eighth those are all really good pitchers with the exception of like Graham Ashcraft there so um yes I'm in on Justin Steele I, I think he has a good pitch mix Solid K per nine numbers, solid ERA. Do I think it's going to be a two five ERA again? No, it'll probably be like a low threes, maybe a mid threes, but he's on a good team. Again, I don't think 16 and three will continue, but let's say next year he's 16 and nine with a 3.4 ERA and a nine K per nine. Isn't that probably worth back end of top 50? I mean, it's right around there. If not, probably. He's a quality start machine. I think that's where I sit. And I've taken some time to try and figure this out because I've gone through the youth movement. And Steele is not necessarily young, right? He's 28 years old right now. He's kind of in the the prime of his career. But, uh, you know, we we talked about it. Younger pitchers don't necessarily thrive at this time. So, um, you know, I think the biggest takeaway that I have is the fact that he's just letting less guys get on base. His whip has dropped off significantly. Uh, from a year ago, where he was pretty effective a year ago, three one eight ERA, but um, the, the WHIP was at one point three five, and that's where it was the year before too. This year, it's at one point one three. He's walking less guys. Uh, he's allowing less hits, as you mentioned. That slider's dominant. Um, I do feel like he is a keeper. It's so tough because a top five keeper dynasty, you just got to be so confident. And pitchers, I have a hard time being ultra confident right and that's where my struggle i guess is but his his value is is obvious like like there is clearly long-term value here so i think maybe he's picked around you know 45 46 like like that's kind of his range um he's definitely like your fifth keeper if you will but i do think he's top 50 and for that being said yes i i think he is it's just it's not a as clear of an answer if you will um, the final one that I have, uh, and, and specifically, you know, we have such a hard time breaking down pitchers, right? Because of this reason of age versus, you know, what, what's the timeline look like? You look at injury history. Zach Wheeler. Is Zach Wheeler, who's ranked 38th right now in Yahoo Leagues, 
Is he a keeper? Um, yeah, I think he is for me. I think so. I mean, he's been somebody who just racks up big innings. So you feel like, I mean, 170 innings right now, you feel like that means that he's probably pretty healthy. feels like one of those guys that, you know, I, I feel like if you're a good pitcher, like a lot of times you do last later into your career. Think about some of the good pitchers that we've had uh, that have just these renaissance, you know, decades in their 30s from Max Scherzer to Justin Verlander, maybe now Zach Wheeler. Like Zach Wheeler's better now than he was when he was in his mid-20s. And uh, talking about the stuff numbers, like those are electric for Zach Wheeler. He's got a 109 stuff. Um, so, I mean, he still has good stuff and everything. And for what it's worth, that's eighth among starting pitchers, which is up there with, you know, some guys that have that ridiculous stuff like Corbin Burns and Spencer Strider and, and Dylan Cease and, and some of those guys. So yeah, I, I am in on uh, Zach Wheeler continuing to be a really good pitcher. Um, to me, he reminds me a lot of um, kind of a little bit of that kind of Justin Verlander type pitcher that will continue to pitch well till he's in his mid to late thirties. I, I don't think it'd be smart to bet on a guy to pitch into his like forties, like Verlander, but in that same vein of like, I expect him, even though you look at the age and it is 33, 34, I do expect him to be a quality pitcher, at least for the next couple of seasons. His numbers have gotten, for the most part, better over his career. Uh, his, 20, his 2021 season was just unbelievable. But if you look at his percentile rankings, I mean, he, dude, he is as good as it gets out there. And he's been the Phillies' best pitcher by a mile. Um, I think he's a keeper. I think that he is actually roughly around 35 to 40. Kind of where he sits right now in the Yahoo rankings is where I take him. Um, so he's kind of like your third, your fourth keeper. But his consistency over the last few years has made me feel more confident in him, I would say. His time in the Mets organization, he had a really high whip. Um, he was allowing a lot of runners on base. He's just not doing that in Philadelphia. He looks much sharper um, he is an ace in every way, shape or form. And I, I kind of like him as a, you know, piece for the next two to three years. Like you mentioned uh, do I, you know, envision he'll be like Justin Verlander, maybe not, but, um, is he going to be a solid piece at least for the next couple of years? I believe so on a team that's going to win, right. They're going to win in his starts. Like that's inevitable. Um, he pitches quality start after quality start strikes out six to seven guys to start, that's all you can ask for, right? That, that's all you can ask for. Um, before we go, this is our six, shotgun six-pack. Um, Derek, are you dumping them or are you drinking them as a keeper? Starts with Cedric Mullins, 34. That's where he's ranked. For top right. 50, uh, top dump. I, I'm a dump as well. I think I'm done with Cedric Mullins. Uh, fast, good piece, but uh, long-term value, I don't know. It's We haven't seen enough consistency over the past few years. Uh, Xander Bogarts, ranked 37. Also dump. He's a dump for me as well in top 50. Jazz Chisholm, 41. Also dump. I don't trust the injury history. Yeah, uh, the injury history concerns me. Um, not feeling confident about that in the top 50. Aaron Nola, ranked 30th pre-ranked. I want to say dump because we don't know where he's going to be pitching. And uh, that scares me enough to just say dump right now. I probably say dump as well. I just haven't been confident in in Nola specifically over the past couple of years. Um, not dominant uh, pitcher as far as what we've seen recently, and uh, that's what I want in a top fifty pitcher. So I'm out. Um, the last one we got Shane Bieber, pre ranked forty four. Um, I'm gonna also say dump here. If you're in a standard five by five, maybe you're a little more in, but definitely dump for me. K numbers look down, velocity's down. I don't love it. 
I said last one. He's the second to last. Uh, I'm I'm dumping him as well. Top 50. Uh, he's closer to me, probably like 110, 120. Um, so top five, you know, that's not a guy that I'm keeping. Uh, final one this time is Dylan Cease, 45. I'm hanging on at the back end of the top 50. Like if, if that's actually an interesting discussion for me, Dylan Cease versus uh, um, Justin Steele, uh, who would you take? I think I would actually take Justin Steele at this point but I think I'd hang on with Cease in that like 46 to 50 range. I get to enjoy that issue in my own head uh, because those are two players that I own and I'm probably leaning towards Justin Steele at this point. Uh, Cease's K per nine is still something that I, you know, obviously I'm sitting here like I I want that, but uh, the production has been terrible, man. I'm going to say dump as far as top 50. He's, He's closer to maybe a 70, 80 range for me. Um, Justin Steele is like I mentioned, kind of, you know, closer to the 45, 50 range. So um, yeah, that, that to me is a dump. Uh, before we go, Derek, though, uh, for good measure, Wander Franco, Julio Rios, Shohei Otani pitcher, Shane McClanahan, you're in a keeper league and you can keep like we do right now, 20 players. Okay. Are you keeping all of them? Some of them, none of them. Who are you keeping? I'm, I'm keeping Otani pitcher. Um, I'm keeping Shane McClanahan too. I'm not keeping Julio Urias. I guess we just need more to come out of Wander Franco. Like I, I don't have a definitive. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Wander Franco. That, that's going to be determined by an investigation that I have nothing to do with. So that one's shrug emoji for me. <laughs> shrug emoji. I, I, I agree. I echo that. I think uh, McClanahan's the easiest one to keep out of that group. Um, Shohei Otani pitcher. It, it kind of sucks that you have to do that, but you're going to have to IL him as well, and you never know. Uh, as far as surgery is concerned, but yeah, the uh, the former two, Wander Franco and Julio Rios, man, those are just a lot of question marks. So, with that being said, on behalf of Derek Johnson, I'm Dusty Baker. Thanks again for pulling up a bar stool and hanging with us. Let's grab a drink again in two weeks. We will talk to you then. Cheers. <laughs>